I'm Andrea. And I'm Claudia. And we're the Dodgy Crime Girls. Hi, guys. Hey, we're back to bring you the worst. Of the worst, yes. Hey, listen, real quick. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a TikTok addict, and I fell into a TikTok rabbit hole big time last night for like forever. I came across this TikToker. Her name is Manic Pixie Mom, and she cleans old gravestones, a couple hundred years old, and tells the story about those people, how they died, you know, they married, how many kids they had. Super interesting. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, so relaxing to watch. And her voice is just, hello, I'm here today. Any mom can relate to the feeling you get when something is actually clean. Yeah. They look really nice when she's done. Check her out if you're on TikTok. Shout out to you and all your good work. We love a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and kind of both of our stories end in death anyway. Right. We're with you. <laughs> We're here with you. We are. I want to go clean with her. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so interesting. We but... want to photobomb her. Did you cry, girls? Hey, was this person <laughs> murdered or did they die naturally? Yeah. We no. want to know. You know what is a mystery? What? My case today. What is it? Tell mm. me more. Okay. Are we ready? I'm ready for story time. I am, believe it or not, back in my home country. Oh my God. Those Germans, I swear to God, I'm always like, we are such quiet, normal people. Everybody's so weird. No, we are weird. We're the weirdos, for real. <laughs> but this one is a little creepy. You know, people are fascinated with the mystery of unsolved crimes, me included. And there are so many historic cases of murders, some that have been solved years and years later, and some that hold fascination because they remain a mystery. So the Hinterkaifeck murders are one of those mysteries that I'm obsessed with. <laughs> I want to know who done it. It's been almost a hundred years since the family on Hintakaifek was murdered. Over a hundred suspects have been interviewed, but the perpetrator or perpetrators, you know, remain unidentified. The murder of the family was certainly creepy in and of itself, but there were even more creepy things that happened on the Hinterkaifeck family farm, and I'll get to that in a second. The Hinterkaifeck farmstead was kind of uh what do you call it uh when something secluded like a secluded place lonesome can i interrupt you for yes second? claudia uh translated the majority <laughs> of this story from german newspapers so i just want to tell her how proud i am of her because this this was very difficult for her to put together. She hasn't shared with me the story. She refused to even give me the name. I have asked multiple times, uh, but I know she's been working really, really hard this week, and I okay. can't imagine. I, I do. Thank you for pointing that out, because I was going to mention that and I told you earlier, I'm fluent in both languages. But if you ask me to say, hey, how do you say bacon in German? I'd be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I suck at translating. I'm terrible at it. It was super hard. There is a website and I read the original police reports and it was all in German. And, you know, back in the day, they had different handwriting. Like it was really hard. I feel like I deserve a coffee for this. Oh, come here. 
little bit. Oh, Caramel Macchiato. Yes. We were fans. Yeah. The new one. The Apple, Apple Crisp. Apple Crisp Caramel Macchiato. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Hinter Kaifek was a secluded place built around 1863 and located near the woods outside the Bavarian town of Gröbern, about an hour's drive from Munich and a half mile behind or hinter the town of Kaifek. So the town is called Kaifek, but the farm was behind, like beyond. So now that's why it's called hinter. It's like behind Kaifek. Hinter, hither, hither, over, hither, <laughs> yeah, yonder. <laughs> so, uh, so it was hinter, like behind the town of Kaifek. It was the home of 35-year-old Victoria Gabriel and her two children, seven-year-old Cecilia and two-year-old Josef, as well as her elderly parents, Andreas and Cecilia Gruber. So let me go back just a little bit for a second. So in 1877, Cecilia married her first husband, Josef Assam, who inherited the farmstead. He died in 1885. Oh my gosh, did I say 1877 or 1977? It was 1877. <laughs> <laughs> He died in 1885, and only about a year later, Cecilia married her second husband, Andreas Gruber. They had one daughter together, Victoria. In 1914, Victoria married a man named... Okay, I'm going to pronounce his name in English from now on. Okay. Because it throws me off. Throwing me. How many husbands are there? Well, Andreas is the second one now. Okay. Because her first husband died. Okay. Okay. So now we're to the daughter, Victoria. Yes. And she married a man named Carl Gabriel. Okay. But later that year, in December of 1914, he reportedly been killed in Arras, France, by a shell attack during the First World War. However, and now remember this, his body has never been recovered. And it was a little bit sad because they just got married earlier that year. And she, Victoria was also pregnant and she gave birth in January of 1915 to Cecilia, named after her mother. So I'm going to call her either young Cecilia or junior from now on because they're two, grandma and then granddaughter. So Andreas Gruber, the father, the head of household, uh, was not very popular with the people in town. He was said to be kind of mean and rude. And after World War One, Germany was not really a beautiful place to be and the economy was tanked. But it was said that the Grubers were sitting on a small fortune, even though they were extremely frugal, but they worked really, really hard. So strange things began to occur in and around Hinterkaifeck sometime shortly before the murder, which was in 1922. Six months prior to the attack, the family mate, Crescens Rieger, quit her job. And it was claimed that her reason for leaving was that she heard strange sounds in the attic and believed the house to be haunted, which the family dismissed. But mm -hmm. she even said, I at times felt like I was being watched. So Andreas Gruber was, okay, so this was a little unclear. So he found a strange newspaper from Munich, which was about 
an hour or so away from where they lived, so it wasn't common for them to get the paper in their town. So he found a newspaper from Munich on the property or in the house, and that was a little unclear where exactly he found the paper, but he did find it in March of 1922. He didn't buy it, and initially he thought maybe the mailman had lost a newspaper, you know, was supposed to be delivered to somebody else, but nobody in that area, you know, was subscribing to that newspaper or, you know, it wasn't anybody's in town, which is kind of weird. That is weird. And just days before the murders, Gruber told neighbors he discovered footprints in the fresh snow that led from the forest. Their farm kind of backed up to the woods, to the forest. So the footsteps led from the forest to a broken door lock in the farm's machine room. Mm-hmm. but never leading back out, like, away. The, in the snow? In the snow. So it was just one set. Just one set coming in, but never going back out. Was there anything stolen or Mm-mm. nothing Not, happened? Well, just... uh, yes, things came up missing, like keys, you know, to the house and to the barn. And while unexplained footprints and missing keys are weird and scary, uh, they were nowhere near as disturbing as the alleged incestuous relationship between Andreas Gruber and his daughter Victoria. Oh. Gross. And that was going on for quite a while because uh, apparently seven years before the family of the farm were murdered, Andreas and Victoria were convicted of incest in 1915. She served a month in jail for the crime while her father was sent away for a whole year. So, and that maid I mentioned earlier, Crescent, said that she walked in on them having sex in the barn and also overheard and walked in on multiple conversations between Victoria and her father, Andreas, talking about their relationship. Oh, Mm -hmm. gross. Yeah. So while many people believed Victoria's two-year-old son Josef was the child of Lawrence Schlittenbauer. I love that name, Schlittenbauer. Say that. Schlitten. Hey, that's <laughs> almost, almost as funny as the email I had to email. It was like dusty tits at email.com. <laughs> Sorry. I answer emails during the day at my desk from random people. So Schlitten. Schlittenbauer. Bauer. Okay. Schlittenbauer who was a neighbor, his farm was just maybe about 500 meters, like half a kilometer away from the Hinterkaifeck farm. So a lot of people thought maybe that he, the two-year-old boy was Lawrence's son, but most of the people kind of believe the child was the product of Andreas's incestuous relationship with his daughter. And, which I thought was interesting because that kid was born in 1919 mm-hmm. and they were convicted of their relationship in 1915. So um, this would obviously imply that Andreas and Victoria continued having sex with each other years after being convicted of incest. Because the kid was two? Mm-hmm. Going on three. Yeah. So. How, how pregnant are we? We're seven months pregnant right now. <laughs> seven months hey so soon we're gonna give birth we are we're our podcast is almost nine months almost nine months that we gave birth okay so so the timeline is they continued having sex yes gross okay 
So later during the night of that day when they were killed, which was March 31st, 1922, they heard footsteps in the attic, but Andreas found no one when he searched the house. But like I said earlier, he told several people about these observations. He refused to accept help because Lawrence Schlittenbauer offered him a gun and he was like, nah, yeah, I don't need it. That's fine. So he refused to accept help, and the details went unreported to the police. He just told people, never made a police report. And according to a school friend of the seven-year-old Cecilia Gabriel, the young girl reported that her mother, so she was super tired at work, and the teacher was like, why are you so tired? And she was like, yeah, my mom fled the farm at night and we found her hours later which that's all it said which was kind of weird what was going on in the house that she ran into the woods and they had to search for her for hours oh yeah this is weird um yeah so the day that the grubers were murdered their new mate just started her first day she arrived later in the afternoon of March 31st, 1922. It was a Friday. Her sister Maria escorted her to the farm and left the farm after a short stay. And she was most likely the last person to see the family alive. (gasps) That's kind of weird. And she was so new, really, that her luggage wasn't even unpacked yet. Well, she probably wouldn't have much of a motive. Mm -mm. Well, she was killed, too. Oh, Yeah, we'll get to it. I was just getting ready to say, you know, the sister was the last one. If only Maria had started her job a day later, she could have saved her life. Oh, that makes me so sad. Mm -hmm. That's for, you know, what you get for being German. It's like the uber pünktlichkeit, like the the very punctual. This is over punctual. You came like a day early. It's overkill. (laughs) Don't be like that. Don't show up too early. No. So now we're kind of like into the night and next day. Despite the Gruber family's reputation for keeping to themselves, the town became somewhat concerned when the family didn't show up for church on Sunday. And then on Monday, Cecilia missed a couple days of school, unexcused, and the mail was piling up. So they were concerned, you know, neighbors, people in town, but they weren't that concerned. So the parents lived with them too, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was Victoria Gabriel, her two children, seven-year-old Cecilia and two-year-old Josef, as well as her elderly parents, Andreas and Cecilia. And he was 63 and she was 72. She got herself a younger man. You go, Cecilia. Hey. Mm -mm. So young Cecilia missed school. And like I just said, neighbors were kind of concerned and, you know, but not that concerned because they saw smoke coming from the chimney. A couple people stopped by and looked in the window and it looked like somebody had food. There was still stuff on the kitchen table. So they were like, me, okay. And they left. Then on April 4th, an assembler named Albert Hofner went to Hinterkaifeck to repair the engine of the food chopper. And he said that he had not seen any of the family members and he didn't hear 
anything except the farm animals and the dog inside the barn. After waiting for an hour, he decided to just go ahead, start his repair, which took him roughly about four and a half hours. It was out in the machine room anyway. He didn't need to get into the house, but, you know, so he just did his thing and left. Around 3.30 p.m. on April 4th, Lawrence Schlittenbauer, the neighbor, Mm -hmm. sent his son Johan and his stepson Joseph Joseph, to Hinterkaifeck to see if they could make contact with the family. When they came back, they said they didn't see anyone. Schlittenbauer headed to the farm himself the same day with Michael Pöll. Okay, so those names don't sound right in English. Michael Pöll and Jakob Siegel. So Jacob Siegel. What they found was grizzly. And you might want to skip this part, too, if you don't care to hear about details of the murder. Tell me more. So the... <laughs> okay, Emery. <laughs> <laughs> the elder Cecilia had her skull cracked from multiple blows to the head, as well as signs of strangulation. Andreas had blood caked all over his face, which was described as shredded. With his cheekbones sticking out of the flesh, daughter Victoria also had her skull shattered with signs that her face had been hit with a blunt object. Young Cecilia had her jaw shattered and her face and neck were covered with slashing wounds. Those four bodies were found in the barn, stacked on top of each other, covered with hay. The maid, Maria, and little Josef were found inside the house, covered with sheets and a dress, and the two of them seemed to have died quickly after several blows to the head and face. The rest of the members in the barn all died instantly, with the exception of seven-year-old Cecilia. The autopsy revealed that she lived several hours after the murders, and clumps of her own hair were found in her hands that suggest she had torn out her hair in distress before dying. Like maybe she was in such agony and so much pain that she ripped her own hair out. And that made me so sad. But you know, sometimes when you stub your toe or whatever, sometimes you're kind of like, oh, banging on something mm -hmm. else to relocate the pain. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what she was doing. That's so sad. That is so sad. She was seven years old. The two guys, Michael and Jacob, that went to the farm with... Lawrence Schlittenbauer. I cannot stop saying that name. Schlittenbauer. <laughs> Schlittenbauer said that uh, Schlittenbauer behaved suspiciously, seeming unnaturally calm and comfortable with touching and moving the bodies. Uh. So he kind of unstacked them. Inspector George Reingruber and his colleagues from the Munich Police Department investigated the murders, and initial investigations were hampered with by a number of people who had interacted with the crime scene, moved bodies, and items around, and even cooked and ate meals in the kitchen. So, because this was a small town, and word got out super fast that the Grubers were killed, and half the town shows up, they're traipsing all over the place, the women go in the kitchen to fix meals for the guys, waiting for the police, and, I mean, it was a big old clusterfuck. <laughs> it was a huge mess. Wow. Yeah. I mean, 
to be like me, I'm going to cook us a meal. So was there a ton of pictures online that you were able to find? Yes. And I will post them later tonight. Oh, and they right. are creepy. There's even a picture, a newspaper article of the coffins, like all next to each other, all six of them. So the day after uh, the discovery of the bodies, a court physician, Johann Baptist Aumüller, performed an autopsy right in the barn. It was established that a maddock, which is the pick axe-like tool used for digging when you're like on the farm. Yeah, I can picture a pickaxe. I know what that is. Yeah. So Okay. So that was most likely the murder weapon, though the weapon itself was not at the scene. They didn't find it anywhere. But one thing was for sure, the Hinterkaifeck murders had to have been perpetrated by someone familiar with the farm work as the killer maintained the farm for days. <gasps> he stayed in that farm. He stayed in that house. The brutal uh, nature of the murder suggested someone with a grudge maybe against mm -hmm. one or more members of the family, and some initially thought that Andreas Gruber had committed the murders and then committed suicide, but they were, because there were previous allegations of domestic violence against him, but this was quickly kind of thrown out by the autopsy. It was impossible that any of the victim's injuries were self-inflicted. The case was also quickly dismissed as a robbery gone wrong, as nothing of value had been taken. There was a shit ton of cash money and jewelry left in plain sight. So they were, they or him, they were not interested in money. And then what does one do when you can't figure out who done it? Oh my what do God. you do? It's her husband. No. It's you? the daughter's husband. No. Okay. Wait. So when you can't figure shit out, you consult psychics. <laughs> and, and, and how do you do it? You cut off their heads and send them to Munich, where psychics were employed to seek out clues from the skulls. Of course, that's what you do. You have got to be fucking kidding me right now. No. That's how the Germans roll, huh? That's how they roll. Oh, my God. They cut off the head because, I mean, really, most evidence was the head, you know, because that's where all the wounds were mainly. Anyway, so that's what they did. So they employed a bunch of psychics, and uh, guess what? They didn't have any luck. No clues, none whatsoever. I can't even look at you right now. I wish you guys could <laughs> see my I'm face. so serious. But yeah, she's like, and then they just took their heads to, to a psychic. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know why the psychic couldn't come to them. Right. Well, it said psychics. Several. So there must have been at least two. Did you read psychic reports? No. Okay. It just said that they were useless. <laughs> there were no clues, no luck. So who killed the Gruber family? Who were the possible suspects? I mean, there was so little to go on that it was really hard to come up with like good suspects for this case. Yeah. But number one was, or it was a theory anyway, Carl Gabriel, the husband of Victoria, uh, who reportedly been killed in France and yeah. killed in action during the war. His body was never discovered. So some people thought he came to town, he came back 
and heard about the incestuous relationship between his wife and her father and that Josef was possibly his son or maybe even the neighbors, who knows, Schlittenbauer's son. And it was speculated that this put Carl into a rage and he killed the whole family. Yes. That's what I thought because I did read something that there was a German-speaking Soviet soldier. So people said maybe he switched identity with somebody that killed because he always wanted to go to Russia and that he ended up doing that and came back as somebody else. Maybe he paid someone off to um, knock on their door and say, mm-hmm. we're so sorry that he has passed away. Yeah. You know, that's not hard how they did back in the day. They right. just came to your door. That's right. about it. Yeah, and they pretty much still do that. Well, so there were reports from other soldiers who saw Carl die in the trenches. You know, this theory, they they were like, well, this is the least likely one to be true. So, but I'm like, I don't know. The war was kind of a mess. You know, he dies. I can assume his identity and leave. Yeah. And he switched dog tags, put my dog tag or whatever on him. And then they just say, hey, he died in the trenches. Who else could it be? Well, so the other one was Lawrence Schlittenbauer. So he came under suspicion by locals early in the investigation because of his suspicious actions immediately after the discovery of the bodies. And when Schlittenbauer and his friends came to investigate, they had to break a gate to enter the barn because of, uh, you know, all the doors were locked. However, immediately after finding the four bodies in the barn, Schlittenbauer apparently unlocked the front door with a key and entered the house alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keys, and remember keys to the house, keys came up missing. Maybe he took them. Although it's also possible that uh, Schlittenbauer as a neighbor or maybe, you know, him and Victoria were in a sexual relationship for a couple months as a potential maybe lover might have been given a key. I don't think it's true. I mean, they wouldn't have been like, here's a house key. I hope someone looked in the attic for some evidence. Mm-hmm. They did. Sorry. They did. Okay. And I can tell you real quick, the police did look in the attic and they found leftover food, <gasps> feces. Oh, and mm, it's kind of hard to describe when I say tiles have been moved in the attic to follow people like you can watch people better. <gasps> Where, you know, where they are. That is the creepiest thing That ever. is creepy. So he was pooping up there. Ew. Gross. He was probably looking at someone while he pooped. Ugh. Probably. Even grosser. <laughs> I'm looking at the vent right now on the ceiling. Just imagining mm-hmm. someone looking back at me. Yeah. Nice. So they thought maybe he had been given a key when asked by his friends why he had gone into the house alone when it was unclear if the murderer was still around because they didn't know he could have still been in the house or whatever right schlittenbauer 
stated that he went to look for his son, Yosef. Regardless of any of the rumors, it is known that Schlittenbauer had disturbed the bodies at the scene, so potentially compromising the investigation. But was he actually worried about Yosef, or was he trying to cover his tracks and create a reason as to why he had touched the bodies in case investigators later determined there was evidence of him having been there? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Either could be possible, but no solid evidence was ever found against Lawrence. Yeah, so for many years, local suspicion remained on Schlittenbauer because of his comments, his behavior, which they were seen as indicating knowledge of details that only the killer would know. Another speculation was that Schlittenbauer murdered the family after Victoria demanded financial support for young Josef. Because he was like, you guys are like richer than I am. Why do I have to give you money? And before his death in 1941, Schlittenbauer conducted and won several civil claims for slander against people who described him as the murderer of Hinterkaifeck. Oh, wow. Isn't that something? I mean, they had interviewed, interrogated like a hundred people. This case was nearly tried in court on one occasion, though. In 1951, prosecutor Andreas Pop investigated brothers Adolf and Anton Gump in relation to the murders at Hinterkaifeck. Their sister, Crescencia, claimed on her deathbed that Adolf and Anton had committed the murders. They were investigated for years and nearly convicted until it was determined that a 20-year statute of limitations <gasps> on murder prevented the brothers from ever being convicted. Oh, is no. my country messed up or is my country messed up? Big time. <laughs> wow. And, you know, I didn't even look it up to see if they have changed that since then. This was in the 50s. Yeah, so there was never any real evidence to point towards the brothers as the prime suspect other than the sister's accusations. And she was kind of known to tell stories, mm. tales a lot. Some have questioned whether family members could have committed the crime in an attempt to inherit the farm from the Grubers. Never know. Andreas's brother Bernard Gruber ended up with the farm. He inherited the farm after they died. And eventually, after much disagreement with probably other family members, he finally sold the property to the Gabriels, which is Victoria's in-laws. Okay. So it kind of still stayed in, the, in the, family. the family. Yeah. But there was one stipulation that the building on the property needed to be demolished. And this was indeed carried out a year after the murders. It was during demolition that the actual murder weapon, the pickaxe, was found. <gasps> oh my gosh, that's insanity. So they just got the land. Mm -hmm. And like I just said, there were a few more uh, suspects, about a hundred to be a exact, uh, but there never was any real evidence to tie any of them to the murders. The Gruber family was laid to rest in the nearby cemetery. And then, okay, so get this. So the, the heads get lost in World War II. What? Nobody knows where they are. You know, Germany, again, was a clusterfuck during that time, okay? We weren't very organized, Literally. okay? Literally. 
So a monument stands today near where the farm used to be. But girl, I still have so many questions. And I I mean, this just drove me nuts. And I kept digging and digging for the last two weeks and I can't find anything. There's still, for me anyway, a whole lot of unanswered questions. And each each question raises yet another. Who would murder an entire family, including their innocent young children and their maid who just got there? And why? How was one person able to murder six people? Yeah. How were they lured to the barn? Because they said the four that were in the barn were kind of lured out one by one. And they did test like screams in the barn mm -hmm. could not be heard in the house. Okay. But how did he get four people in the barn? Well, it was someone they knew. Mm -hmm. So it was, hey, can you come out to the barn with me? I want to show you something or right. there is something. And why did the guy stay in the family home afterwards? Because the animals had been tended to. Well, he was probably the one tending to the animals. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because yeah. remember I said neighbors... People in town were kind of concerned, but not really because they saw smoke coming from the chimney. And right. Bide his time. Make sure nobody knew. Yeah. I mean, it was over four days. He fed the farm animals. He let the dog out. That is just crazy. Why did he stay? Yeah. I, my biggest question, too. Biggest question. I really want to know, who is the birth father of Yosef? Mm -hmm. Why did Victoria return to live with her father and the family after the incest conviction? What was Victoria's mother's role in all of this? Well, I guarantee you that that child's father had something that is somehow tied to all these murders. Well, there are two possibilities. It's Schlittenbauer or her own father. Yeah, and then seriously, like all the neighbors trampling all over the place, destroying evidence. If it hadn't been destroyed, would it later have provided more evidence to identify the killer? I don't know. Probably, but we all have that friend that just waltzes in our house. Yeah. And there's like... Oh, Touching honey, everything. There's nothing that potato soup can't fix, baby. <laughs> Just right. sit down. And you're like, oh my God. Oh, I know. Yeah. And this one is just the further you dig, the further you're taken down the rabbit hole to the almost 100-year-old complex maze of shit. <laughs> You'll never find the answers, honestly, because it's still, it's just, you could be forever lost in it. Finding new twists and twists and turns and not even realizing how lost you really are. And all the while, the answers are buried deeper than you can dig. For or, real. Or they could be above you in your attic. That could be it too. Pooping on you. Yes. So real quick, in 2007, the Fürstenfeldbruck Police Academy took on the Hinterkaifeck murders as a cold case. Despite the loss of evidence from the original crime scene, the death of all or most suspects, because by then, by now, they're all dead mm -hmm. or 99 years old, whatever. So the Academy was unable to conclusively solve the murder, but they did kind of come up with a theory but they have kept that private and get this out of respect for the families of those involved. Yeah, we want to know. I want to know. Give it up. It was Schlittenbauer. I know it was. <laughs> so as a result, 
the Hinterkaifeck murders remain and might always remain unsolved. Great case. It's just so crazy to me. I... I mean, dude, I see footprints coming to my house and no footprints leaving my house. Shit is gonna... I will burn my place down. This story has everything in it. Missing heads, pooping in attics. Yeah, I thought uh, this one was very interesting. Very interesting to read original police reports, newspaper clippings from back then. Super interesting. Schlittenbauer just walked right in and he's just moving bodies around. Yeah. Like it's nothing. I would be freaked out. I see them stacked. Yeah, like this is totally normal. Yeah. No. So there was no picture. At first I thought maybe it was, okay, so it was a real picture from that time, but it was a kind of like a re reenacted picture where they put themselves like stacked and then took a picture of what it what looked it like before. Looked like. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, great job. Well, thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this case if you have a theory let me know about you know what you think or who killed the hinterkaifeck family hit us up email us at judgycrimegirls at gmail.com and let us know yeah tell me what you think who done it who done it or you know tag us hashtag judgycrimegirls in some of your favorite posts or pictures that you can find or yeah we always love to hear from you awesome well have a great week thanks guys thank you for listening Bye. bye